0: I'm Taylor. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Hello. We're back.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: preparing and getting ourselves ahead clearly (laughs) didn't work. We're not, we're not built for that kind of, um,
2: lifestyle, I don't think. No, because we got so ahead that we forgot. Well, we got so ahead we forgot for a minute, and then we were ahead... And I went on vacation and there was just, the internet was like, no, you're not, you're not doing this. I'm not having it. Yeah. I will not take your
0: audio files
2: and post them globally. It's not going to work. Yeah. So.
0: But we're here now. Yes, we are. We and I think most women in the world are very pissed off because like... Oh, how would we say this? The Supreme Court just taking away our fundamental human rights. We have ranted between about this between ourselves, so we're now a bit calmer than we were half an hour ago.
1: Yeah. We
0: were very angry. For anyone either listening to this
2: out of the current time or mm. maybe not aware of what's what we're referring to um, was it last week? This, there's a Yeah, a leaked draft Supreme U.S. Supreme Court opinion um, about a current case that the court has heard and is expected to rule on in late June or early July um, about. I don't even know the specifics of the actual case that's being heard, but basically the draft opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito, who's conservative justice. Uh, is set to overturn previous court precedents set in 1973's Roe vs. Wade, which makes abortion a constitutional federal right for all people in the United States.
0: So that's going to stop. Said so much more eloquently than I could. It's because I've been listening to so many (laughs) podcasts about it. I, like, I just switched off the last week.
1: It's just, I was just like, I can't keep reading and listening to the same thing. Because it's,
0: and, because I know everyone's about to go, you're not American, you don't live in America. This is not going to stop in America. No. At Home Early Abortion Access was nearly lost in this country last month, and it was barely a blip in the news media yeah I mean abortion is not as easy and as guaranteed in this country as people think it is, and it's also not going to stop at abortion, as has been proven by like the coil implant and the morning after pill there There's various states now trying to ban those as well, so this and also even in Europe, like Poland. Uh, abortion is very difficult to access. There's loads of countries all over the world. I mean,
2: where wasn't this it is- just legalized in Ireland, like yeah. two years ago or something? Was it even that long ago? I don't know, but it was not Fuck. long. <laughs> yeah, I think. And also, like the thing that's really sort of troubling about this potential ruling, likely ruling, whatever you want to call it is that it's the next steps it's like it's what happens the second that roe is overturned it's all the laws that will come into effect or come back into effect from the days of back alley abortions and like and law lo- like states making it a class e felony for doctors to give medical advice about abortions like
1: that's
0: the other thing like people with no knowledge of reproduction of like biology or anything people who have no medical knowledge or training should not be making laws about our bodies
2: right like shouldn't be making like uh rulings about
0: (laughs) fucking medicine go figure the fact that we have to say that is just so infuriating. Uh, yeah. And yes, this is me having calmed down. Taylor can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. wasn't into what I was half an hour ago.
2: No, it's, it's, re- you know, it's also really interesting. I was listening to something today while I was walking the dog. And, and so apparently in this opinion, Justice Alito has written that like, hey, the court overrules previously existing precedents all the time. They did it in, brown versus the board of education they overruled the separate but equal doctrine they did it in the obergerfeld versus hodges um case in 20 whatever it was 14 that made same-sex marriage the law of the land in the u.s and and the 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 commentator who is like a um constitutional law professor was like yeah that's all well and good but this is probably the first, if not definitely the first time that previous precedence has been overruled to remove rights and liberties yeah. from citizens, not it's, to it's grant more. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's the exact opposite thing of what you're actually saying. And yeah. there's all this backward logic of, like, well, yeah, so now. We're, we can really be there for these women in their hour of need, and we can be there f- and provide these pregnant women resources. And it's like that's not going to happen. That's not what. That's not what. These conservative governments, conservative policymakers, lobbyists,
0: mostly. That's not what you're going to do. Also, those conservative, wealthy politicians, lobbyists, donors, all of them. Abortion access is never going to be off the table.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. What I was listening to was talking about like basically,
2: post Roe America is is divided on abortion geographically. So most of the states that will outlaw it are going to be southern, or and or in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. You know traditionally, your red states, but it's also going to be divided by socioeconomic class, yeah, because even those wealthy women in Louisiana, they'll have the ability to travel somewhere oh yeah. to some state because they're th- like s- there are going to be states that will still keep abortion legal through their own legislation yeah so they can travel but disproportionately the poor lower class pregnant women of texas are not going to be able to afford to travel to colorado for an abortion no and disproportionate majority of those women are women of color So it's just. It's just all kinds of bad. And that's exactly what they
0: want. Yeah. Roe was decided, correct me if I'm wrong, on the. Is it the 14th Amendment? The right to privacy? Right to privacy. The right to privacy has been sort of the basis of a lot of Supreme Court rulings. Yep. And they're all in danger.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And
0: it wasn't alarmist like, to say this t- five, ten years ago, it's not alarmist to say it now, we could be looking at segregation again in our lifetime. Yeah. A ban on interracial marriage, a ban on same-sex marriage. Uh, recriminalization of homosexual activity. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm. Like, honestly. Be- yeah, because all of these things are, yeah, like, the... The rulings are based on a right to privacy and and liberty over one's own private life. I mean, if nothing else, this illustrates the fucking fallacy of legislating through the courts. Because if these things had actually been enshrined in law at some point, Mm -hmm. it'd be a lot harder to undo. Yeah. And it would be up to like a- essentially a vote of the people in through various, you know, systems and processes. But like yeah. But instead, we've got nine individuals deciding
1: for a country of 300 million. That just if you can't hear those numbers,
0: And understand how fucked it is. Nine people should not get to decide the fate
1: of 300 million
0: people.
2: Especially when the majority of those 300 million Americans support right to abortions. Yes. And that's that's the part that just really pisses me off. It's like, public opinion states
1: the majority of Americans are for abortion rights. Yeah, I think I think the important takeaway is
2: this is a draft opinion. We don't know exactly what the final opinion will say. There yeah. is talk that um the chief justice it's like head justice, lead justice, chief justice, John Roberts, who is conservative, but in the grand scheme of conservatives on the court now, he's pretty fucking centrist. Um, Hmm. He is not in favor of overturning Roe. He's now in the minority with the rest of the liberal justices. But there has been talk that he's been potentially drafting his own opinion that will try to bring over one of the more conservative justices. Whether or not that's true,
1: whether or not that will
2: work, we don't know.
1: Yeah but
2: i think the big takeaway here is if you want if you have a strong opinion on this you need to make that clear with your vote yeah um in midterms in local elections literally just like your fucking town comptroller i don't even know what they do but you can vote for for them so like you should yeah because if if we're not electing the people that will champion our rights to our government. Our rights will not be
1: championed. Yes. So if this just burns you up inside, ugh, use that fire to propel
2: you to the polls. Yeah. Because hopefully, some point, we'll start sorting everything out. Um, so yeah, if you're still
0: with us, thank you. Yeah, we should talk about what we're going to talk about yeah aeroplanes so this week (laughs) we're talking about the Lufthansa heist and I apologize to our German listeners because I'm not going to say this the same way or the right way throughout the entire episode (laughs) it will change the Lufthansa heist was the largest cash robbery ever committed on U.S. soil and I'll be honest the only reason I wanted to do it is because I've heard it referenced and mentioned so many times, but never really knew the details. So, yeah, I thought we'd do this. And I finally get around to finding out what actually happened. Yeah, so here we go. In the early hours of December
2: 11th, 1978, six men in a stolen black Ford Econo line van pulled up outside the Lufthansa cargo terminal at John F Kennedy Airport in New York. The men wore black ski masks and cut the padlock on the gate with a pair of ordinary bolt cutters as opposed to extraordinary
1: bolt cutters. Well, I think
0: just like
2: just like run of the mill.
0: Just just yeah, just what you could walk into like uh, a Hard hardware store, store and, and buy not like industrial strength like or anything. Like fancy like diamond yeah. bladed yeah, bolt just, cutters. Just, just like fucking abashon
2: neighborhood bolt. yeah cool um at 12 minutes past three the line backed up to the delivery entrance of the terminal and the men got out all armed with a loaded weapon and entered the airline's building once inside the building they took senior cargo agent john murray hostage and marched him to the break room where five other employees were on their meal break they were ordered to lie on the floor with their eyes shut while John Murray was ordered to lure the other employees on shift into the break room.
0: The night shift cargo manager, Rudy Eirich, uh joined his colleagues in the break room. But transfer agent Kerry Whalen was outside the terminal and he saw the black Ford with two men sitting in the front, not wearing masks. Uh-oh. So he was soon taken hostage and held with the other employees, along with a warehouse employee who had you know, heard the commotion and come to investigate, uh, Rudy Eric was taken at gunpoint to the vault, where the robbers removed 72 cartons of untraceable money, each weighing about 15 pounds, or 7 kilos. Shit. Yeah, that, That's like... its heavy money. That's like a that's like a whole kettlebell. Yeah. Then placed them in the van, along with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jewellery. At 4.30, the hostages called the police as they had been instructed to wait until then before calling. Um, but at 4.21, two men got back in the Ford and the other six got into a Buick that had been parked near the terminal. And they fled the scene. 69 minutes after entering the terminal building, they're left with an estimated $5.8 million in cash and $875,000 in jewelry. Wow. And inflation puts that at about four times that amount today.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's like, over twenty-two million. Yeah. That's a absolute fuck ton of money. Yeah. Oh.
2: So if this sounds a little bit familiar to you, it could be because this is part of the central plot of Martin Scorsese's 1990 film Goodfellas, which was adapted from the book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. Um the story chronicles the life of Henry Hill, an associate of the Lucchesi crime family uh so yeah um we've said with we weren't gonna do it but we're we're gonna do
0: it uh we're gonna talk about the mob this week yeah we're, we're breaking out all this rule yeah don't fuck with the mob
2: <laughs> i mean it's been a minute since this happened so at least that's some protection
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah and then there was like the 80s and the 90s with the RICO act
2: so yeah, a lot of a you know. lot of these people got cleared out so we're okay um uh so despite everyone now knowing that the mob were by- behind the Lufthansa heist and it you know being immortalized in print and on the big screen to this day more than 43 years after the fact only one man has been convicted on any charges relating to the robbery but To understand how this happened, first we have to understand New York City in the 1970s and 1980s. Oh, rough
0: place. (laughs) Yeah, because while New York City may be, you know, the concrete jungle where dreams are made of, a tourism hotspot on many bucket lists, including my own, you know, Taylor, you lived there. I assume you had positive experiences.
2: It's It's a wonderful place. It's full of culture. It's full of really interesting people. It's full of great food. Uh, it's full of rats and garbage, too.
0: Yeah. But if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Or so they say. So that's why I left, because I couldn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) You left and you went to LA instead. Yeah, I
2: couldn't make it there, so
1: I left the country. (laughs) Yeah, but at least you went via California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: It was not like that in the 70s. No. So, in the 1970s, New York City belonged to the mafia. Violent crime was just an everyday occurrence. And according to an article by Ovid's Interesting, every major crime committed in the city in the 1970s and 80s was connected to one of the five families ronano wow. colombo gambino Genovese, and lucchese
1: that's a lot
0: every major violent crime in a 20-year period it's like pretty impressive that's insane that's a
1: legacy right there
0: yeah and there's actually a line in brooklyn Nine-Nine to so the effect of new york city in the 80s was basically the purge that tracks that tracks yeah yeah drugs prostitution robberies hijackings murder gambling loan sharking extortion protection rackets arson the mob had a hand in it all worse they also had a hand in almost every <laughs> legit business going in the city as well oh yeah the docks the airports the unions jimmy hoffer anyone Right, that's more of a Philadelphia mob than the New York, Still. but it's all closely related. Yeah. Even the fish markets in the garment district, like... Hell yeah. You could not spend a dime without one of them getting their beak wet.
1: Like... That's impressive. Yeah. It is. Like, that's capitalism right there. <laughs> you work hard, you get involved in hyper-organized but- crime. But look at, like, the look at Al Capone. Yeah. All they could get him for was tax evasion. Yeah.
2: So the moral of the story is pay your taxes and make sure you're laundering
1: money through front businesses that also pay their taxes. Yeah. And make it believable. Yeah.
0: Nobody thinks your nail salon took in five million last year.
2: Oh my god. Where was... The... There was...
0: Oh, somewhere, there's
2: somewhere that I lived. Now I can't remember if it was in New York or where it was, but like there was a like takeaway restaurant, takeout place that like was 1000% a front for the mob <laughs> because there was literally never anybody in there. Like <laughs> you are not selling food, you are selling crime.
0: Also, that. The Five Families and, like, the rise of the Five Families is so interesting. Mm. Like, how
1: oh my God. that took hold. There's
2: a really good Netflix documentary about all that. I can't remember.
0: There was, there was one called, the, I think it's like The Making of the Mob yeah, like or something. Yeah, it's like Making the Mob, uh, Fear City. not on Netflix anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've talked about this Okay, in yeah. In about five lines. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, there's another one. Oh, there is. Um, it's it's called like the making of the mob or something like that. And there's a New York one and a Chicago one. So there's one on the Five Families and then one on um, Al Capone. Yeah. And it's not on Netflix anymore. Oh, I can't find it anywhere. Um, but yeah,
2: it's fascinating. Oh yeah, the making of the mob. There's also one called like the '75' or something, which is specifically about um a a precinct of like detectives in I think Brooklyn or Queens maybe who like went on un- undercover and got embedded into one of these crime families.
1: But yeah, it's like it's all super interesting. Yeah. Um so yeah. If the
0: mob interests you in how it all operates, definitely recommend those. Um, but for decades, like neither the NYPD nor the FBI could keep up with like the mob, like until racketeering laws were finally used to bring them down in the eighties and nineties. But until then, the mob ruled the city, operating with impunity, <laughs> enabled by the corruption of those in positions of power. Which is what essentially allowed them to drive out of a cargo terminal at JFK with what today would be around 25 million in cash and face virtually no consequences. And yes, yeah, as, as, as much as we would love to chronicle the rise and fall of the mafia <laughs> in New York City, we simply do not have the time in an episode or a year of episodes. No uh like one audiobook i have on the five families which i think is just called five families is 33 hours long that's that would be most of a year of episodes yeah and i'm still working my way through it but yeah, as we just said we do recommend the netflix documentary fear city new york versus the mafia if you want a good introduction on the mafia and the city in the 70s and as one contributor says in the opening episode New York wasn't ripe for the taking we already took it yeah
2: so this heist only involved two of the five families the Lucchese family and the Bonanno family but uh, why Lufthansa why hit such a high profile target as one of the cargo terminals of one of the country's biggest airports well first first Lufthansa is the German national or flag carrier airline, and it's the country's biggest airline. And they fly a lot of cargo, including currency, in and out of Germany. But pretty much every country has a flag carrier airline, and large amounts of currency gets flown around the world all the time. So again, why Lufthansa? Well, the scheme was dreamed up by Peter
1: Grunwald, or Grunew- i think it's, grunewald I, I think Grunwald, Grunwald. is probably, Grunwald, S-
2: probably something around that pre- pre- pronunciation family if i could even say that mm. properly um so he was a cargo worker for lufthansa at jfk and he knew that lufthansa regularly flew in large amounts of unmarked u.s currency from europe um this was money that had been exchanged by tourists or servicemen stationed across the continent during the Cold War. Uh, from the cargo terminal, it was then transferred back into America's banking system, but not always immediately. Sometimes the money was stored overnight in the cargo terminals. That seems insecure.
0: Yeah, you can't imagine that happening <sighs> No, now. Right. That would go straight from the plane into high-security vans yep. and straight
2: to... The vault. Yeah, vans. exactly. Now, according to an article by History.com, Grun- Grunwald talked with his friend uh, Louis Werner, hoping that the two of them could put the plan in motion. The problem was that Werner was under a mountain of gambling debt, so he took the plan to bookmaker Martin Krugman who then took the idea to Henry Hill, as in that Henry Hill from Goodfellas, played by Ray Liotta in the film. And Henry Hill worked for Jimmy Burke, also known as Jimmy the Gent, a close associate of the Lucchese family. Can
0: you follow that thread? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of past the past. There's a lot of, bureaucracy, lot of bureaucracy
2: involved in the moment. Yeah, honestly. Um... And the bananas were looped in to the heist as well because JFK was on their territory. So they were assured payment, too. Whew, that's a good deal to have. Yeah. Um, Jimmy's crew was also familiar with JFK regularly hijacking trucks going in and out of the airport whenever they needed to make a quick buck, sometimes two or three times a week.
1: <laughs> Amazing the
0: fact that um cargo trucks going to and from one jeff it must be one of if not like just one of the biggest airports
1: at least in that part of america if not oh, easily. the whole country uh, it's one of the like i don't know in terms of like physical space like area it's
2: not that big mm. of an airport campus But it is one of the busiest
1: airports in the country.
0: But trucks are getting hijacked like two or three times a week. Just all the time. In and out. Yeah. And law enforcement can't do anything. Well, no,
2: because the law enforcement's corrupt too.
0: I know that, but... (laughs) No, it's amazing. like,
2: Like, that's... Just, like, that one sentence says everything about the state of... Mm. crime and
1: lack of punishment at this time in the city, certainly. Yeah. Um so you'd think that like they
2: had this lockdown. They're super used to just stealing shit from the airport. <laughs> but this robbery didn't go quite as smoothly as all of their previous airport runs.
0: So After leaving JFK with their Ford van filled with cash and jewels, the group met up at a repair shop in Brooklyn where the money was removed from the van and split up between two cars and driven away. Pretty standard for a a getaway like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Parnell Stacks Edwards was in charge of disposing of the van at a scrapyard in New Jersey. Uh, which was controlled by John Gotti, <gasps> also known as, you know, the Teflon Don. Oh my god. And eventually became head of the Gambino family. So we got the third family involved Fuck. now. Um, but that didn't happen. Mm-mm. Instead, he left it parked in front of a fire hydrant <gasps> near his girlfriend's house in Canarsie, in Brooklyn. And it was picked up by police a few days later. What
2: an idiot. Just don't
0: don't park like just don't park it in front of a fucking fire hydrant. Yeah. But it gets worse. <laughs> because the van was supposed to be supposed to be disposed of at a mafia controlled scrapyard, oh. nobody had taken the time to wipe down the van, get rid of the fingerprints, you know, just basic things like that. <laughs> so when the van was picked up police-recovered fingerprints of Jimmy Burke's crew and linked them to the left-hand side.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, because this is the mob,
0: obviously, Parnell Stacks had to go and sleep with the fishies. Well, not exactly the fishies, yeah. but you know. Uh, the Lucchese underboss Paul Vario, Vario uh, did order Thomas de Simone to kill Stax which he did along with Angelo Seppi as in the two of them killed him not he killed, he killed both. them yeah. both okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> good, good to clarify because yeah. you never know in these situations
0: yeah so uh, Thomas de Simone and Angelo Seppi killed Parnell Stax on December 18th just a week after the heist
1: <sighs>
0: but he was just the first of eight people Involved in the heist, who would end up being executed because Jimmy Burke decided that everyone involved had to be taken care of in order to stop any of them from implicating him. Oh, shit.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, you can probably guess where this is going. Mm. On January 6th, 1979, bookmaker Martin Krugman was murdered and dismembered by Angela Seppi and Burke. Although we're not one hundred percent sure if that was Jimmy Burke or his son Frank Burke, who was also involved in the robbery, uh, he was due to receive five hundred thousand from the heist, and his demands to be paid were reportedly making Burke more and more anxious that he was about to turn and become an FBI informant. His body was never found, although Henry Hill later claimed he was buried under the Roberts Lounge Club in Queens, which was his which was a favorite club of Paul Vario. In 1980, a leg bone and shoulder bone were excavated from the basement of the club, and they are believed to belong to Krugman and Tommy DeSimone. Uh, but it's never been proven that these two bones did belong to Krugman or and or DeSimone. Uh, in 1986, Krugman was declared legally dead. Richard Eaton was murdered on January 17th. He wasn't involved in the actual heist, but he had stolen a cool quarter of a million from Jimmy Burke in a drug scam and had skimmed some of the heist money he was supposed to be laundering. Naughty, naughty, naughty boy. Uh, Jimmy Burke was eventually convicted of Eaton's murder in 1985 and sentenced to 20 years in prison where he
1: died in 1996.
0: Of all the dumb things to do, <laughs> stealing a quarter of a million from a mob boss yeah, like is up
1: that's there.
0: That's just not smart. So Eaton's associate, Tommy, you know, Tom Monteleone, was murdered in March 1979. Like Eaton, Jimmy Burke believed he had been skimming from him whilst laundering money from the heist, as well as stealing money from him in the same drug scam as Richard Eaton. Uh, Louis Cofora and his wife, Joanna Cofora, were also murdered in March. Louis Cofora was a money launderer from Brooklyn. And with his share of the money, he bought his wife, Joanna, a pink Cadillac Fleetwood. Wow. Which they drove around near JFK while the FBI were surveilling them. Wow. They were not subtle about this.
1: Ugh.
0: And, um... Their bodies have, have never been found.
1: Jesus. Like, a pink, it, it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm
0: actually quite mad that about, like, pink cars make me mad. <laughs> You're not a
1: Barbie doll. Oh, come on, pink Cadillac. That's classic. It's not classy, though. No. Like, I know I'm very
0: not classy, but like just a pink cattle and just no. I think more
2: cars need to be fun colors, like they were, like in the nineteen fifties. All your like teals and seafoam greens and sky blues and pinks and ah, like that. That's they're so much fun.
0: You've got to be a bit subtle for a while. I mean, yeah. Like if you're being surveilled by the FBI, even if it's the seventies and the mob controls the city be a little bit uh,
1: just a
2: little bit buy the black Cadillac first and after things have cooled down you trade it in for the pink Cadillac
0: no you just spray it pink
2: Oh, you gotta you gotta be no no you do it you do an even trade you know they know a car dealer you know that all the used car salesmen are in the mob so like they can figure it out
0: (laughs) So, Air France cargo workers Joe Buda Manry and Robert McMahon were both shot and killed execution style on May 15th and 16th, respectively. Both of them had been offered the chance to turn state's evidence and enter Witsack, not just for the Lufthansa, Lufthansa heist, but for a similar heist more than 10 years earlier wherein almost half a million dollars was stolen from the Air France mm. cargo terminal at JFK. And Air France is obviously the the national flag carrier for mm. France. So yeah. Finally, in June nineteen seventy nine, Paolo Licastri was shot to death and his body burned. He was not involved in the actual heist he was the liaison between the Lucchese family and the Gambino family who, you know, wanted their cut from the robbery. Go figure. Hmm. Which, I'm assuming, so the Gambinos, they weren't directly involved. No, but... That was... John John Gotti Gotti was... Was was the link. Yeah, the salvage yard or whatever, right? So... So, maybe they're like, well... We didn't actually use your salvage app, so, so... we're not going we, to cut you, you in, you. yeah? Ooh. It's, it's
2: dangerous that game is dangerous. It's not smart. So how many... How many bodies are we up to
1: now? Oh. I, um... I think it's an eight, nine. Oh my nine god. So, nine. We've got nine dead so far. Five others
2: who were involved in the heist, either directly or indirectly, were also murdered within 10 years of the heist, although not on the orders of Jimmy Burke. Uh, Tommy Simone disappeared on January 14th, 1979, after murdering two members of the Gambino crime family who were close to John Gotti. His body was never found, but the But the remains beneath Robert's Lounge were believed to be his, along with Martin Krugman's. Teresa Ferrara, an associate of Richard Eaton and Tommy Monteleone, disappeared in February 1979, and her body was found in an inlet of the Toms River in New Jersey three months later. Angelo Seppe was killed on July 18th, 1984, by the Lucchese family themselves after he robbed an affiliated drug trafficker of money that was meant to go to the family. And his girlfriend, Joanna Lombardo, was also murdered that day. She was 19 years old.
0: That is, like, all of it is horrible. But, like, she's 19. She's a kid. Yeah.
2: It's not good. It's not good for, like, a multitude of reasons. And in May 1987, Jimmy Burke's own son, Frank Burke, was murdered in a botched
1: drug deal. So now we're up to 14? I think so. Jesus Christ. I've lost count. Is this, like, our biggest body count ever?
0: Kind of is, yeah. Besides Sonny
1: being,
0: uh, but so like... Wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Just, you had to. You had Obviously. To. So, Henry Hill was arrested in 1980 on unrelated charges, and with a long sentence hanging over him for narcotics charges and the threat of Vario and Burke wanting him dead for various dealings gone wrong, he turned FBI informant and entered witness protection. was smart. Uh, Hill's cooperation would lead to prison sentences for Burke and Vario, but not for their involvement in the Lufthansa heist. Uh, Burke for basketball point-shaving schemes.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Which, I'm guessing is, that's match-fixing, isn't it? Point yeah, shaving.
2: it's just like, it's yeah. it, well, it's betting not that the team will lose necessarily, but they'll win by a certain amount.
0: So, yeah. Point shaving. and Vario was arrested for racketeering, gambling, and loan sharking. And uh, both of them died in prison. Mm. Five others also turned informant, including Peter Grunwald, whose idea the heist was to start <laughs> with, at uh, Lewis Werner, and his girlfriend and eventual wife, Janet
1: Barbieri. Louis Werner was arrested in eighteen. 18- no, what? <laughs> Not only did you get the year wrong, you just got the whole thing wrong.
0: <sighs> you put you put numbers instead of words. I saw
2: April and I was like, that says eighteen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Louis Werner was arrested in April 1979 four months after the event, and in May 1979, he was convicted and sentenced to 15 years in prison for providing crucial information regarding the layout and security of the cargo terminal. Although nobody else has been convicted, in in 2014, Vincent Asaro, then age 78, was arrested in connection with the robbery. Bissarro was the Bonanno Connection in 1978 because the airport, as we said, was on the Bonanno territory in the 1970s, and he became a high-ranking boss within the family. The case went to trial, and even his own cousin testified against him. (laughs) Bummer, man. Um, But in November 2015, he was acquitted. He was convicted on unrelated arson charges in 2017 and was sentenced to eight years in prison, but was granted compassionate release in April 2020 because his ill health meant he was particularly vulnerable to COVID.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's what? What age is he then? So it's like
1: 84? Yeah, he's 80-something.
0: But still, if you got the connections, you could be a danger to society. It's true. Uh, Despite being one of the longest-running investigations in the USA, the money and jewelry stolen from the Lufthansa Cargo Terminal in 1978 had never been recovered. Whoops. Never. Just
2: like $25 So, even though all their money people were getting into trouble, they did a good job of moving the yeah. stolen goods and
1: and the laundering the money. Yeah, and like, yeah, clearly they knew what they were doing, like money laundering wise. Yeah. But,
0: but also twenty five million, like to us, that is like an astronomical amount, like life changing amount. When you get to like government level and federal level, it's not that much. No. Um. And yeah, that is the sort of very sanitized story of the Lufthansa heist, so that, you know, the mob doesn't come
1: after us. I, I, you know, I think we should do more mob stuff. I kind of do, too. I find it really interesting. It's so, it's so
2: interesting. We can keep it to, like, people who have already been arrested. Or <laughs> murdered, I suppose. But like, sc- I grew up hearing stories about the Boston mob and like the the Winter Hill Gang and Whitey Bulger and and all these guys. Like mm-hmm. they were happening when I- when like my parents lived in Boston and and when I was a kid in Massachusetts. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> and also like. <laughs> I definitely went to school with a bunch of mob families' children, like throughout the <laughs> years.
1: I just think this stuff is really interesting. See, there was never anything like that growing up where where I live. Um, it it's it's rural Yorkshire. I mean, a cattle wrestling scheme? Sure, sure. Sheep wrestling? Definitely absolutely uh fuel siphoning yeah even drug running to a point uh nothing like in
0: the cities but yeah this is the kind of place where it's like a single syringe was found (laughs) in a town in a play park like everyone lost their damn minds i was like it's headline news for three weeks running, I'm sure Weeks. Yeah. Months. Months. Like people lost their minds and like Yeah, I, we never had any stories of like organized crime or anything like that. Like the worst it was was always like drugs. Yeah. The mafia is very glamorized. Yeah. And it which annoys me to a massive extent especially when we're something like like 19 year olds like kids getting involved mm-hmm. you know vulnerable kids being targeted and murdered you know and people people still glamorize this as like same as people like glamorize like all these scam artists that there's so much being talked about now yeah. they're like oh Anna um how the fuck have I forgotten her story? Anna D- Dalby, Dalby yeah yeah.
2: No, I, I I think that like and yeah, I, I think there's a there's a problem with a lot of these kinds of organized crime stories, whether it be like mm. the mob era of the '30s, the gangsters and the you know and the zoot suits and
1: the whatever, like yeah. or you know the '70s, like. Because the
2: stories don't get told until a few decades later, not in their entirety. And by that yeah. time, it's not as scary. It's not as no. utterly fucking terrifying and, like, threatening. It's like, wow, mm. this happened. Can you imagine that? And Look at all these guys with all these guns and all these cars and all these women. And, like, yeah. so uh, there's, yeah. like, a disconnect between... Yeah, like, the the image and the reality.
0: Yeah, and like like Goodfellas, which I have seen and forgotten, and I was going to watch it again <laughs> this week, and I was like, I, I just ran out of time. It's that you think Martin Scorsese was like, oh, I'm going to include all these really horrific details that are, like, going to show the reality,
1: or do you think I'm going to make a really, like, big-budget Hollywood film? Yeah. Just in this one crime incident alone that we've talked about. That's like fourteen, fifteen people who were associated yeah. with this mm-hmm.
2: dead because of this, or because of similar crimes related to the yeah.
1: you know, the whole situation. Like that's not fun. That's bad. No. No. And I think that that's another danger
0: with like, like, I mean, we know true crime entertainment is problematic by its very nature. Yes, we are as oh, much well. a part of that. <laughs> like, we are as much a part of that as as everyone else in who who creates any kind of true crime content. But when we start. When everyone starts telling these stories as though there's as though it's like the mob is like the little man like taking on the guy. Yeah. You know, like the big guys out there and it's it's not. No. It's it's real and it's real people.
1: It's not it's not the bank, you think you think the banks took a hit from this? No. They have insurance. But
0: yeah, we can watch like uh, Fear City or we can watch any documentary about the seventies you, maybe it's different for you of having lived in New York, but I can't imagine, like, I can't reconcile the New York I've seen on TV Mm the New York. I see, like, our friend, we have friends in New York, like, their Instagrams, all these pictures. I can't reconcile that with these images from, like, the 70s. And I think that's a danger that we don't, it doesn't feel real and it doesn't feel, like, real people.
1: Yeah. I mean, (sighs) New York is an entirely different world now
2: than it was then. It's an entirely different world now than it was in the nineties. Like it, Mm. it's, it went through a massive transformation, um, to make it clean, tourist friendly, to revitalize Mm. the city because it was just a, horrendously
1: dangerous place to be yeah. for a long time hmm. um, so yeah it is it's hard to be like well it's, it's just New York but it wasn't yeah it was just deadly <laughs> yeah yeah so that's uh, the oh. time um yeah I hadn't like, I feel like
2: I've heard of the story kind like maybe a couple times, but yeah, I didn't know it, so it's an interesting one.
0: I will say, I think at times I've confused it with the Brinksmat, mm. which is similar, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the UK version, or Lufthansa is the American version of the mm. Brinksmat. Um, so if you don't know over the brink's Matt but you want to yeah. tell us because that is also very do interesting. That.
1: I uh I, f- I find these like the heist ones kind of quite interesting mm. um but yeah so there you go we did it we, we talked about the mob see did. what happens
2: if we're not here next week you know why <laughs> it's not just because we haven't gotten our shit together
0: yeah I mean that's that's not a good that's not really a good threat. Like, oh well, we've just been a bit useless yeah. lately. <laughs> we've got to go back to doing everything last minute because that's only honestly. Work. It's that
2: pressure that keeps
1: you going. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. Let us know your favorite of the five families. <laughs>
2: um, Please don't say that. <laughs> uh yeah but yeah let us know if you want us to talk about the brinks matt because that yeah it's it's all really interesting um Mm -hmm. and let us know what you think of the episode and if you like the show be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice especially apple podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss a new episode assuming we're still here and the mob hasn't gotten us yet yeah yeah um And if you want some Square Mile merch, we have some. Uh, It's pretty cool. Uh, It has Square Mile-related stuff on it, so you should check it out. Um, And you can find the link for that in our show notes or on our
0: website or at squaremileofmurder.store. And if you'd like to help us cover the costs of making the podcast and help us invest in the future of the show, because why would you ever want this to stop, right? You can join us on our Patreon page. Tiers start from just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes one day early, a shout-out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive stationery that you cannot buy. So check that out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of meta. Links are in all the usual places. Uh, links to abortion aid and abortion information uh, resources will be in the links as well.
1: Because, um, yeah, we ain't done being mad. No. Yeah. So we'll be back. Yep. Yeah, hopefully next week with uh, our final
0: uh, Sky-related crime, mm. plane-related yes. crime, uh, which we're really interested in. Where we are looking—it's a to. big
2: one, guys. It's a big one.
0: Shh, don't tell. I'm them not going to tell them what it, but just like be ready.
2: Like this is one of my favorite uh, unsolved crimes ever.
0: Um. But yeah. So we will see you all next
2: week. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.